Attention, seniors. Before the merriment of commencement commences, I hope that your years with us here at Rydell High have prepared you for the challenges you face. Who knows, among you there may be a future Eleanor Roosevelt. Or a Rosemary Clooney. And among you young men, there may be a Joe DiMaggio, a President Eisenhower, or even a Vice President Nixon. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. And thanks for tuning into the most cohesive Billy Joel podcast in the world. Yes, it's Billy Joel A to Z. And today, the topic is the never talked about Tomorrow is Today. Tomorrow is Today is the eighth song or the third song off the side two of Billy Joel's first and poorly recorded album, Cold Spring Harbor, which was released November 1, 1971. Tomorrow is Today was actually released as a single in January of 1972, but only internationally. I mean, who knew that tomorrow is today was the actual release because ironically, everybody loves you now was the B side. And, uh, you know, you're familiar with everybody loves you now, right? Alan, because he did it in concert last night at Madison square garden. So has the world gone bonkers did Artie rip fuck that up too. And messed up the A and B sides in 1972. That's got to be it. Put it past him. What? Yeah, you're right. That's got to be what happened. <laughs> he flipped him. I mean, the the other side is a song the guy played yesterday. Ah. <laughs> uh, anywho, tomorrow is today. <laughs> Get ready. Appears nowhere else, as if it's been erased from existence. Which I'm not sure, Alon. This one might have actually been. I've never heard of it before, and I've never heard the song before. This was a first, this was a a beautiful reaction video for me. It's terrific. I always like when we do these really early Billy Joel things because I think it's been a while now since you've had one of those kind of reactions of I've never heard this song before and where we can really believe it versus when it's like the eighth track on Glass Houses and everyone's like, come on, Dave, you know you heard this before. <laughs> yeah, no, not only haven't heard it, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's get to the rankings because they're extremely interesting. Uh, where do you think our friend Christopher Bonanos from New York Magazine put this one out of 121 songs? I don't I don't feel like he has that much love for this album overall. And he'll probably think this is kind of trite. You know, Billy Joel's really young and talking about something serious. So I'll say 82. You were right in your beginning. He has no respect for this album. He puts it at 104. Wow. He says two minutes into a rather quarvy M-O-R song. A bizarre vocal break. He drops an octave and throws in an R and B turn that snaps <laughs> back to the sensitive guy voice, 
Feels like it fell in from Mars. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, he's absolutely right about that. Again, hearing this for the first time, I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, this is a good song. And then, oh, and I'm yeah. like, what? Oh, my, I'm going to the river. Yeah. Oh, boy, that was awful. Uh, anyway, here's the big news. Why don't you take a guess where Glenn Gamboa puts this song? Number one. New York State of Mind was number one. We've already been over that. <laughs> okay, what do you think it. this one's at? I'm talking about out of 124 songs, Alon. Yeah, okay. 25. No, no. The gag is this is it. This is 124. Uh, okay. I thought you were saying he puts his way, way too high. Now we know all of Glenn Gamboa's first and last. This is the one that fell into the absolute last Billy Joel song. Maybe we could overlook the weird bit in the middle where Joel's voice drops several keys for no reason and then wobbles back up in the space of a phrase. Maybe the way he pronounces saw as sore is fine, but add it to the quivering vocals and the rest of the song and the vaguely British accent, and it becomes the rare Joel song that is truly a bad idea. Wow. <laughs> That's what you want to hear for your last song. Yeah, it's funny because usually Glenn Gamboa, like when you do his reviews of her song he doesn't like, it still sounds pretty positive. Right. But this this one he really panned. No, thank goodness. Thank goodness. You can't put a positive spin on the, the song that you think ranking is the worst of Billy Joel's entire catalog. You can't. You can't put a positive spin on that. It's just it would be awkward. Now, the question is, Dave, where do you rank this song? Because you like his piano singer songwriter stuff. Well, I'm extremely confused about this song. I sat back and listened. And finally, you know, so I guess I put on Cold Spring Harbor 1983 version, not even thinking for a second that there would be any issue. I didn't want to hear the badly mixed one. I wanted to hear the updated one so I could get a good feeling for it. And I'm sitting back and I realize, wow, this is only on the piano. This is surprising. It's kind of like, what we were saying about, I, I guess, bringing up the Winter Crossing again and and what could have been for. Uh, and I keep thinking this is the last song of the album, but it's not the last song, but it should have been the last song. Then, as I did some more research, I realized that's not the actual version. The actual original 1971 version has a whole bunch of instruments in it. So I, I just can't believe I didn't hear the proper version at the beginning. And I liked it with all the instrumentation. What a bang up ending, too. Oh, I feel the exact opposite. I think the this is one case where Artie Rip did the right thing. And I think the stripped down piano 1983 version makes a lot more sense for this song about depression and suicide versus like the upbeat horns and strings of that 1971 version. It felt so out of place to me. Okay. Well, here's something interesting. Now, you're absolutely right. Everything you're saying is correct. The stripped down version for a song like this, once we realize it is about suicide and depression, makes a lot of sense. You're absolutely right. And again, it should have been the last song on the album. What is the last song on this album? Got to begin again. So this would have been a great last song if you're going to end it that way. But when you put in all the instruments, then it wouldn't make then it still could be the last song. But I liked I liked the bass coming in and all that kind of stuff at the end. But if it's funny, if you read, there was a kind of a quote about somebody talking about the song and if i read it against the instrumentation 
then you'll see it becomes an uplifting ending. L let me show you what I mean. Okay. I'm going to play it for you. Fortunately, Billy survived. He got back together with Elizabeth, reconciled with his friend John Small, and went on to record Tomorrow Is Today and so many other classic songs. This is Billy Joel, A to Z. <laughs> yeah, that totally works. Right? <laughs> and fortunately, our hero went back to record several other songs after this. <laughs> Billy Joel did not die from drinking furniture <laughs> polish. Exactly. <laughs> he went on to great fame and him and Elizabeth have 12 kids together. Right. The Elizabeth. But that's why it's even funnier. Like he reconciled with Elizabeth and everything went smoothly after that. But yeah, that's I thought. So when you add any instruments, it works, but it complete leaves you in like, wait, wait, did he commit suicide? Wait, is this the last album? You know, if you do yeah. the piano one, you're like, oh, thank God there's another song after this, because I wasn't sure what happened to him afterwards. It's so weird how triumphant that orchestration is like it's I, I, I wouldn't mind the song with orchestration with more instruments besides the piano. But I think the way it was done in 71 just feels really heavy handed. And so I think they were right to just make it a real stripped down song. Well, the question is, though, why? Why did Artie Rib choose to do that? And And then and if he's doing that. And he's in his head thinking, I can make a Billy Joel song better. Then why not make this the last song? Like, why not just change the order of the album at that point? If you're making all these calls without Billy's say so. Well, I think it's this. I think the album makes sense because this song is like the suicide song. Then you go to Nocturne, which is basically like a funeral sort of, you know, really. <laughs> it's an I'm instrumental. It's really a downer. Oh, if he survived. But then you get to got to begin again. And that's him saying, hey, I'm OK, actually. And I'm looking forward to the future. Huh. So that was the arc they had to take. I guess there you go. Well, I also found out some very, very interesting. First of all, again, the live version from WMMR, which is how I finally discovered that there were instrumentation because I still didn't realize on the original recording that that's how it was. I just thought that was a live version, mm -hmm. which is terrific. You know, that the, the live versions with this, with all the instrumentation that does work. I guess. Yeah, when it's not a whole orchestra, it's okay. No, I thought it was the whole orchestra and the WMMR one. No, there's no way. He would have just been him and his guys. The band was in the studio. And someday, if your dreams are leaving you, I'll still believe in you. Alon's right. It's not the album instrumentation, but it's electric guitar and drums. It's more than just the piano. And I guess that's what I meant. But yes, it's it's yeah. totally different than the 1971 recording. Yeah, and that's a good recording. I think that the Sigma Sounds one sounds really cool. That guitar yeah, solo is really awesome. Cool. That guitar solo is really, really good. Now, I'll say this about the song. Like, I understand that Gamboa and Bananos are panning it. I don't dislike this song. I think that bridge is weird for sure. Like it's, it is weird that he drops octaves and sings it in this weird frog. It's like the first froggy Billy Joel song in yeah. a way, but I really like that. Those lines when he comes out of the bridge 
when he says, and someday if your dreams are leaving you, I'll still believe in you. I like the power behind his vocal in that part, which gets him back into the verses again. And I think, you know, look, it's a poignant kind of song about a tough time in the guy's life. So I got to give him props for that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. It does sound pretty cool, but that octave dropping and whatever that is in the middle, again, not having heard this song before and then hearing, I'm like, boy, this is a great song. I put it on hidden gems. And then all of a sudden that happens. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So tomorrow is today. Oh my, I'm going to the river. Gonna take a ride and the Lord will deliver me. Make my bed. I'm gonna lie in it. If it don't come, sure gonna die in it. Too late. Too much giving, I see a lot of life, and I'm damn sick of living it. I keep hoping that you will pass my way. And someday, if your dreams are leaving... It's just as bad as Cetetois Toi, and that one part that kind of ruined, or the French part that ruins the song. Part, or even in um, I Don't Want to Be Alone Anymore, I think, you know, just do, 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 you know, and, and it, it's just like, damn it. This song could have been perfect for me, but that is jarring enough to ruin the song. Yeah. And a lot of the songs on Cold Spring Harbor, he kept really simple, which was nice. And this is one where he decided to kind of embellish it by bringing in this gospel bridge thing. And that does make it a strange sounding song. Well, I'll tell you something very interesting that I found while doing the research for this particular song, something extremely interesting that no one has mentioned this is breaking billy joel news okay this is billy joel a to z breaking news we can link everything that happened to billy joel we're talking about i mean this is it folks this is what all of this we don't know we don't know if Artie Rip and Elizabeth and all this stuff would have put Billy, if, if he hadn't met Artie Rip or would have, would have put him in this trajectory. We don't know. But so, because we know we got greatness out of it. And we also know that we got screwed because he hasn't written a new song in 30 years. But this is all Billy Joel's fault. I don't know whether you know about this, but apparently Billy had a former manager named Erwin Mazar. Or Missouri. You know about this guy? Yeah, yeah. His his first manager. His first manager. His first manager, who he apparently tells the story. He said the manager says he called me one night, asked me to meet him at a diner. He tells him he he tells him he's not in the best place. He was he knew the manager knew he was drinking. He says his wife and him were living in Far Walkaway. We took we took him to live with us, sleeping on our couch. I get up one morning on a table are the words to a song I never seen called tomorrow's today. And one of the key lines is what's the use of always dreaming if tomorrow's today, it was like, give me the sleeping pills and let me die. It was like a suicide. note. this is what he says, right? Yeah. So he was confiding in this guy and he liked this guy. However, he also, I guess whether he got out of it or whether he was in the moment, tell him, look, Irwin, <laughs> I'm giving you 30 days to find a manager or we're through. So when you're put under the gun, you may have found the worst person ever. And that's how he found <laughs> Artie Rip. So this is all Billy Joel's fault. 
if he had just let this guy kind of do what he does, taking his time, founding the pro- the proper management, Artie Rip never would have happened. But he was forced, and he was on the 29th day. He goes, ah, fuck it. I'll just call Rip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get this Billy Joel guy off my back. This is all Billy's fault. He has to take, you have to take, uh, what, what do you call it? The, the, the responsibility. Yes, you're right. I, I saw that story also, and I thought the same thing you think, which is which means why he's given this 30-day deadline. That's right, which means every song Billy Joel has written where he's angry is tainted now. <laughs> we got to redo this entire podcast. All right, we're going back to A Matter of Trust, everybody. See That's us right. next week. Now, I'm going to do A Matter of Trust 2023. Here it is. <laughs> this song is ridiculous. Who would write a song like this if he had just listened to this guy and didn't force him? <laughs> Every episode is going to be that way now. <laughs> I got to so, rethink that. I got to do my Robert De Niro from uh, Silver Linus Playbook. I got to rethink this. I got to rethink this. I did not know that. That's good. Just gotta, I got to rethink this. I did not know that. I did not know that. That's wild stuff. <laughs> De Niro in Silver Linus Playbook doing Johnny Carson. <laughs> In the story that you just told about the whole situation, you left out a couple of details, which we should fill our listeners in on if they're not too familiar. One thing is that when Billy Joel met Irwin at that diner, he was explaining that he's been having an affair with Elizabeth, who was married to his best friend, John, and he would crash at their place a lot. And they had this affair and he felt really bad about it. And so that's the main reason she threatened that if he ever told John about the affair, she would leave both of them. And he was very stressed out. And so he wrote this note while he was crashing at his manager's place and he decided to commit suicide by drinking furniture polish and wound up in a coma for like four days. Oh, he was in a coma. I thought he said it didn't do anything except make him fart lemons. Yeah, well, he did say that, but you know, Billy, he's a comedian. He's got to put a nice thing to it, but he was in a coma and a psych ward for a while. And then he decided to say, I'm going to quit music. I'm done with this. Nothing's working out for me. And then he decided to give his manager 30 days, like, find me, find me a guy, find me a record label, uh, a contract in 30 days, and I'm staying in. And that's when he got Artie Rip. Who the hell did he think he was saying he was giving a guy 30 days? Who the hell? What do you think? He was Aaron Judge? Well, that's the suicide ultimatum. You know, you're like, hey, I tried before. I'm going to do it again. You better find me a guy. Oh, boy, again, but all about Elizabeth Weber. I'm going to leave both of you. What kind of threat is that? <laughs> well, I don't care if you leave John. Why do you say it like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Billy went on to be friends with John again, as he had John direct several of his videos, even towards the 80s, and they stayed lifelong friends. And Billy Joel went on to win Grammys and have so many successful albums and marry a supermodel which also didn't work out. <laughs> but then he married someone else, and then someone else. <laughs> and this is Billy Joel A to Z. I feel like this is um, more like those NBC things, or like, uh, what were they, uh, things you should know? They were on Saturday morning. Uh, what, what, what those little... The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. You know, Billy Joel wasn't always the cool guy he seems to be. He was troubled just like the rest of us. But luckily, he gave up drinking at a young age, and then he's been fine ever since. Because the more you know, the further you'll go. Don't <laughs> drink, all, kids. And all those things are just like, and then he married a supermodel. Because <laughs> that's all anybody wants to hear. <laughs> he did? He practiced piano every day, and then he married a supermodel. <laughs>
Well, I don't want to hear about the practicing piano every day, but that supermodel thing, can you do that without practicing? No, only if you practice piano every day and do your homework. Uh, these more, you know, stink. Ah. I want to talk about what this song reminds me of. And this is not a case of Billy Joel stealing someone else's music or anything like oh, that. Oh, you're no fun. It's the, op- it's the opposite. It's opposite day. This is the case of Billy Joel writing this song in 1971. And then 23 years later, someone having a mega hit with a song that I think sounds very, very similar, which is Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John. So you felt when you were listening to this song, that's what it brought you back to. You can feel that. Can you feel the love tonight? You, you hear that in the lyrics or in the, in the music? I hear it big time. It's enough for this restless warrior just to be with you. And can you feel the love tonight? It is where we are. Parts of that song, parts of the song, so much so that whenever I hear this song, I start singing verses to Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Mm. I didn't get that. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I know the song very well, but I, I can't. I'm not getting the connection, but I believe me, you know. I have connections that are so obscure that you know nobody's thinking that yeah. either. So, so, so give me this one. You have your obscure connections. This is my obscure connection. And what I think is funny about it is that you take this song, which everyone assumes is a terrible Billy Joel song, you you revamp it twenty three years later, and Elton John wins the Oscar for best original song and the Grammy for best pop vocal. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't this from the Lion King? Yeah, it's the Lion King song. Well, that's funny. But the, the other thing is you can't tell that he stole it or anything, because even if that was the time when they were doing the uh, to the to playing together live, there's no way he would have played this song. It's not like Elton John would have been thinking about it because he was playing it every night either. So, no, but he he could have heard it. I mean, obviously, he's been aware of Billy Joel for many, many years. He yeah. might have even heard Cold Spring Harbor way back when. So you're saying Elton John ripped them off. Big time rip off. Interesting. That's very interesting. And also, Billy Joel is the first one to have the bowl haircut and to have star sunglasses. I don't remember that about him, but that's interesting, too. <laughs> and, and Billy Joel probably was the first one to wear like 12 inch heels, those giant platform shoes, because Billy is pretty short. Well, I remember when he would dress up in that chicken outfit. He did that on New Year's Eve for the Nylon Curtain Tour. Well, do you remember? <laughs> That's ridiculous. He really did? No. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I was thinking when they did the um, the face-to-face tour, those, that video from the one in Japan where I can't think if it's Elton or Billy. I think it's Elton. He's wearing a full Godzilla mask. Oh, right. And they're yeah. trying to sing and you can't really get the words out so well. It... We must have mentioned that before because I keep thinking about the Billy Jean King, Bobby Riggs match, which I feel like I mentioned somehow on that when, you know, Bobby Riggs was always trying to when he would play tennis, he tried to distract his opponents by wearing outfits like little Bo Peep outfits or something to distract uh-huh. his opponents. That's what Elton was like. I'm going to mess you up tonight, Bill. I'm going to do something real messed up. Yeah, that's that cutthroat edge. Take any edge you can. When you're that good a piano player, then you're not going to mess up. Even if you're laughing hysterically, you can still keep it going because your hands are like a- another entity. You know, it's just they're yeah. moving on their own. They're just uh, you're what, what do we call it when it tells doing uh, you're just your machine. You're just right. putting out automatic. Billy could be playing. Everybody loves you now. And in his head, he's thinking about like his grocery list for the day. Exactly. Exactly. Because he's going to put it on automatic. All right.
Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Boy, I got one for you. It's really interesting. This guy, this is unbelievable. In 1976, Bobby Rydell did a cover of Tomorrow is Today. What? Uh, yeah, on what was supposed to be his comeback album. Now, now I have no idea who this guy is. I didn't think I knew. Now, why you would choose to cover this song for your comeback is anybody's guess. And since I'd never heard of him before, I guess it didn't work too well. However, this guy was uber famous before all of us were born, <laughs> or at least me being the oldest person who listens to this podcast. Uh, like the kind of famous that if Billy knew this guy would cover his song one day, he never would have attempted suicide. <laughs> Let alone this man could be a lot of the inspiration for the Innocent Man album. Bobby Rydell has ties to the movies of two of the most performed plays in high school history about the 1950s. Can you name both? The movies about the two of the most nope, performed. I just said the most performed plays in high school history. Okay. And these are plays from the 50s? No. Jesus Christ. Listen, kid. It's wait, like wait, they, when you say play, do you mean musical? Yeah, I mean musicals. Okay. About, yeah, high school, like that legendary I, musicals that all high schools do eventually that are about the 1950s. Okay. So when I hear Bobby Rydell, I always, for some reason, put them together with Grease. That's and one. Think, is he mentioned in the movie? Is that? No, it's, I'll tell you about that in a second. Okay. What's the second one? So the other one, 1950s related topic that high schools like to perform. I guess I don't really know my musicals that well. Well, just think what, if, I mean, you're a New York City kid, so who knows what it's like for you. Oh, wait, I got it. West Side Story. No, why would, the, what the hell are you talking about? What? It's it, from the 50s. It takes place what, in the 50s. First of all, it's the 60s, but it doesn't matter. Well, it came out in like 61, but it probably, no. you know, took place in 59 or something. Okay. This is the one that every school does, but you are from New York City, so I don't know. But if you live anywhere else, there's a production of this everywhere. This could be a middle school, elementary school. A pajama game. No. <laughs> the pajama game is the game I'm in. And I'm proud to be in the pajama game. I love it. I can hardly wait to wake and get to work at eight. Nothing's quite the same as a pajama game. Now, the answer is bye bye birdie. Bye bye birdie. I like bye bye birdie. Right. We love you, Conrad. Oh yes, we do. We love you, Conrad, and we'll be true. When you're not near us, we're blue. Oh, Conrad, we love you. So, get this: when you mentioned Rydell and you thought of Greece, it is because they named Rydell High after this guy. Oh, that's it. Right. Because yeah. I was like, wait, I know that name, Rydell. And I was like, because I think the director's name Mark Rydell. And I'm like, what did he name the high school after himself? But the fact of the matter is this guy, Bobby Rydell, he's in the movie Bye Bye Birdie. He plays Hugo Peabody. So I didn't oh, know I knew the him. boyfriend, Hugo. Yeah. So I totally know who he is, but I didn't know he was there. And I didn't know he was a huge star that he could hold his own with Anne Margaret. <laughs> I don't think he holds his own. I, I think that Hugo's a real dweeb. Oh, he's a total dweeb, but he's playing a dweeb. I don't he's, know whether he's getting he was cucked like by Conrad Birdie, who's stealing <laughs> his cool high school sweetheart. Yeah, that's right. Hugo, what do you want? Hey, Kim. The fellas are making me do this. 
But just the same, they're right. Kim, you can't go through with this. Hugo, please be mature. Well, gee, doesn't get pin mean anything these days. You gotta be sincere. Man, you gotta feel it in here. When I sing about a tree, I really love that tree. Man, it's gotta be <laughs> nothing. Yeah, that's good. How about this one? Uh, remember, I did this at uh, the Comedy Cellar. There are chicks just right for some kissing. And I mean <laughs> to kiss me a few. And I was you going walk through the, the audience. I would walk into the audience of my, and you see these girls going, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, kids. What's the matter with kids today? Yes, but you're singing it the wrong way, of course. How does it go? Kids, what's the matter with kids today? I don't mind the moonlight swims. It's the loop, the loop that hurts. I think what Paul Lind didn't like about kids was the fact that you had to sleep with a woman to make a kid. Yeah, he hated that. <laughs> he sure did. Anyway, uh, another thing about this dude is Bobby Rydell. The Beatles, this guy made the Beatles. It is said that he kind of ruined his career by making the Beatles. He had some song called Swing in School. song and it is called an answering song you had mentioned that i think when we did uh what's the matter with the clothes i'm wearing it don't you you know the answering song don't you know that the you know what i'm saying or someone else is like singing the other part back to yeah so i think she loves you is an answering song written from hearing this song the beatles heard this song and said we're going to do one like that too and then not only did it ruin his career, it ruined all the kind of music that he does and changed musical history all from oh, yeah. this guy, this dude, this dude, Bobby Rydell changed musical history by sucking so much that somebody was able to come in and quickly change the entire culture of what we now know about modern music and how we're doing this podcast. <laughs> That's cool. We're learning a lot of new origins, Bobby Rydell, and then this Irwin Mazur guy and the Billy yeah. Joel's ultimatum. Well, it makes sense that we would learn all this kind of stuff on his first album and talking about a song off his first album. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, I'm fascinated by this Bobby Rydell. I guess he was really big. I mean, again, again, if he was in this movie version of a very successful, like doing the movie version of Hamilton back in the day, Bye Bye Birdie was huge. Obviously, that's how they found Dick Van Dyke for the Dick Van Dyke show. And let alone Cheetah Rivera became a legendary Broadway star and uh, what was it, Dick Gaudier? I think. Remember that guy? Yeah, well, you you might no. know him, but he was the best. He was in, you know, the, all these guys from the original cast of Bye Bye Birdie did really well. And this guy, I guess he was huge. And and and, and Billy Joel had to have known him and his music, and had to have taken from some of his songs when doing an Innocent Man. It's fascinating, and maybe that's why he covered this song. I I don't uh no, I guess he covered it in the. I think he covered it about four to five years later. Yeah, I don't think it was in the 80s. Maybe it was in the 70s. But, you know, to choose tomorrow is today. What yeah. a strange, interesting. But maybe he was dealing with depression because the Beatles had kind of 
by accident ruined his career. So maybe it had something to do with it. I don't know. If we ever get Billy Joel, you know, on the podcast, I'd love to know. I'm like, were you a fan of Bobby Rydell? And he's like, dude, that's how an innocent man came. I mean, wouldn't that be the most yeah, interesting of all right. things? Like when I sing about Diddy Bop shades, that's because like Bobby Rydell used to wear those, man. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing on the album that says it's an homage to Bobby Rydell, but I feel like the whole album is an homage to him now that we've discovered this. Mm. Alon, do you have a trivia question for me? Yes, I do. My trivia question is about another suicide attempt. Elton John attempted suicide by sticking his head in an oven. <laughs> uh, what song was written about that incident? I don't know, but, um, you know, my mother did that when I told her I was going into comedy. <laughs> hey, uh, okay. What, 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 say it again. What was <laughs> So El- Elton John attempted suicide. He stuck his head in an oven. I guess to let the gas fumes or I don't think it's the heat that kills you when you do that. I think it's the gas, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just like roast your head slowly. That's terrible. Anyway, he wrote a song about that incident. Oh, what song was it? Rocket Man. <laughs> oh, Rocket no. Fuel. No, that's the Beatles. I was going to say Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I'm thinking of things that happen with the gas, but that's not the answer. The answer is Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. The answer is it's a, hit. it's a hit song. Well, you don't like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? No, that is. I don't want you to go down to the, the matter with catalog. You. I'm trying to give you a hint. All right. Give me a year that it was out. Okay. It was released in 1975. Okay. Okay. So it's not the comeback stuff. 1975. It's not Saturday night. Shit. It's on the album Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt yeah. Cowboy. Yeah. No, I was positive it was on that album. <sighs> Ah, damn it. I got nothing. I just can't think. I know I know the song, and it's uh, now I can't think of anything Elton John does. Blue okay. Jean, baby. LA Lady. I know that's not the song. I was just Tiny Dancer. I was trying, I was just trying to think of any other Elton John song at this point because <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you. Someone saved my life tonight. No, no, no. That's called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. What song is that? Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. Check it out. Last Night a DJ I don't know. <laughs> it's from the 90s. Um, someone saved my life tonight. You know what? I don't know if I knew that was from the 70s. I think I thought that was from the 80s. Boy, that's uh, a that's a wow. That's perfect. That makes so much sense. I wonder who it was who he's talking about. Do you know? Well, Bernie Taupin, who, you know, his his writer part, his writing partner says that he's the one who found Elton John gas oven on and laying down on the floor next to it. Well, there we go. And apparently the story was that back in 1968, before Elton John was famous, he was engaged to be married to a woman. What? And I he can't didn't love her. my ears. He, he felt trapped because this was not him, obviously. So he thought about killing himself. Well, that's... <laughs> 
Times were tough back then. I feel it was awful for gay men, right? Can you imagine? I'm really excited about this marriage. <laughs> you know, the, the, again, you watch the, the show, the Paul Lynn show, which was short run. Maybe there's, I don't know, 12 episodes for a season on ABC. And it's him as a father and a husband. And she's like, you know, he's like, look, I love you, honey. But, and that's why he's so funny, because he's just laughing through it all, because he's like, how can anyone be buying this? Yeah, I'm living in a personal hell. But all those guys had to act that way. I mean, you know, there's acting, but then when it's real life, it really must have sucked. And listen, I've told you many stories of the friends I had that had to do all this. I used to tell my parents, they're like, oh, isn't it exciting? Roger's marrying Melissa. And I'm like, what? That guy's like really gay. And they're like, no, he's not. No, he's the son of a dentist, a prominent one here in this inner Jersey. <laughs> he can't be gay. His no, dad's a mom, dentist. he's really gay. Are you sure? And I'm like, am I sure? Of course, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but it's like even, you know, when I was, you know, young, that it was a problem for these poor kids. Now I. You know, it's, I, I get mad at Mateo when he's not appreciating who had to come before him and not, you know, Mateo Lane is a comic who can, you know, is totally out years before a lot of the comics that you might not even know couldn't come out mm. and they, they, they could not talk about being gay on stage or anything. And I you know, feel bad for them. All right. Alan, I can't even imagine what kind of parody you have for us today, Mr. Weird Alon. Okay, so first off, warning, this one's a little bit long. Oh, God. Um, okay, and this one is called... We're already an hour into this. I know. Surprisingly, <laughs> this is a long episode. Instead of tomorrow is today, today's Weird Alon song is called Sabaro is Today. That's it. I'm out of here. You know, I would play the Price is Right sound, except there was a girl who said, oh, my God, you haven't tried Sabaro spaghetti and meatballs? And I was like, what are you out of you? See, you just made the face, too, and we're Jewish. Oh, and we were yeah, laughing awful. at it. And then I tried it, and it was goddamn delicious. Oh, geez. Okay, well, maybe I, I got to give them another try. Yeah, exactly, right? Right, because we wouldn't eat their pizza, being New Yorkers. Uh, it's like fast food. It's like eating Domino's or something. But their spaghetti and meatballs was fantastic. I don't know why. <laughs> so if, if you don't know, right, Sabaro's is... A chain, at least, I don't know if it's all around the country, but it's definitely kind of a fast food place here. They don't deliver, but they're in like Penn Station and Port Authority places. Yeah, like it's that, a pizza right? place that's it's a chain that you find in airports and in bus stations and in places where the food's never going to be good. And right, you know, it's it's technically New York pizza, but for someone who lives in New York, you're like, this isn't. We laugh right. at it, yes, as I did yeah. to this. What was she? Thai. This girl, she's Asian. She's like, you got to try. I'm like, listen, kid, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you know, this is delicious. She's on to <laughs> something. Okay. BK is closed in this airport, so I can't have it my way. There's only one food stand open, so Sabaro is today. This is really shitty pizza. But I'm hungry and can't wait. My flight is leaving in an hour. So Sabaro is today. The crust is hard and the pepperoni's rubber. I can't believe this shit is my supper. 
It's gross. The cheese congeals, but still it's better than airline meals. I'm desperate, standing on a ledge, going to wash it down with a bottle of Pledge. I wish Papa John's was here instead. And today when I'm up there on the plane, I'll have food poisoning. I don't want any pity because it was a choice I made. In my life, I've had regrets, and Sabaro was two days. Hey now, you know now. You know now. You, I think you're in this place, and maybe I'm there too. Where those lyrics were excellent, and even though I couldn't follow the melody in any way, <laughs> but now you're probably just like, well, when Paul plays it, this is going to be a great song. I actually, on this one, thought I don't think Paul can do this one. Because really? it's one of those things where when you read the lyrics, it's not clear at all, like where my rhyme scheme is going. And so I think it's one of those where it's in my mind somewhat. But it, Paul would need to I think he and I would have to go over it a couple of times. Oh, yeah. And that's my fault because I did I did not do a great job of capturing the uh, rhythm of the song. No, that's the thing. But that's why I was like, I don't know where it's going at the beginning. I got it. And then it went to another place. But I, the whole time I'm just thinking, well, Paul will fix it. <laughs> yeah. They closed the one where I used to get the spaghetti and meatballs all the time. I got to find another one. It <laughs> closed because you're the only person who ate there. Exactly. Last night a DJ saved my life with a song. Dope time. Well, folks, that was Tomorrow is Today. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Would you rank this song at the bottom of your list? Do you like the piano version or the original with full orchestration? Do you blame Billy for giving his manager a 30-day ultimatum that led to Artie Rip? Yeah, he's got to take responsibility. And are you embarrassed that Dave likes the spaghetti and meatballs at Sabaro? Hey. Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. And so, after they finished Billy Joel A to Z, Alan Altman went on to having a brilliant comedy career. And Dave Juskow went on to do Billy Joel Z to A because he had no other options. This is Billy Joel A to Z. See you next week. Billy Joel, live at Sigma Sound Studios. Before we return to uh, WMMR Studios, we'd like to thank WMMR's Director of Programming, Jerry Stevens, and our radio concerts producer, Dennis Weiland, who make these concerts possible. And thanks to Joe Tarzia, Harry Chippitz, Carl Perullo, Don Murray, and Jay Mark of Sigma Sound Studios, and Dave Hughes of Sound Specialty for their technical help. This is Ed Shockey at Sigma Sound Studios. Good night.